Welcome back to the Fully Express Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Roland, and this is the podcast where we help you learn how to live your most fully expressed life. Today is a bit of a special episode. I have someone on that I'm really excited to chat with in this format. Um, it's actually my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Sharu is my ex-boyfriend of three years. We dated uh, from 2016 to 2019. And pause. you didn't even know off the top of your head. Oh <laughs> Had wow. to really dig into the archives yeah. for that one. <laughs> um, yes. And you can clearly see that we have such a great relationship. No, we're best friends now. Uh, we've been best friends pretty much like since a few months after our breakup. And it's a very rare thing. We're both aware of that. And we have people ask us all the time how we're friends, why we're friends, how we made that happen, what our relationship looks like. And so we thought that we'd come on the podcast and share it all with you all. So welcome to the podcast, Sheru. Super excited to have you. Thank you. Um, I don't know how to introduce myself. I'm Christina's ex-boyfriend, and that's my only <laughs> thing in life, you know, just being her ex <laughs> But um, I think uh, one thing that you forgot to mention is that we were close friends before we started dating, um, and I think that kind of led to us dating. So I think um, naturally we kind of reverted back to the friendship that we fostered before dating after we started dating as well. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We met at work. Um, so we both worked in consulting. We met at work, became friends through work. It was one of those environments where people are always like going to happy hours after work and everyone's always like, like partying with their coworkers and things like that. So that's how we got to know each other and we established a friendship and we just became closer and closer and closer. And after a few months, um, kind of crossed that line, I guess. <laughs> You're so corny. You're so corny. Um, okay. What do you think about dating in the workplace? Because our relationship, like, totally changed my whole perception of dating. Coworkers, colleagues, classmates, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just, uh, I think, like, when you're around someone so much, it's natural to happen, but I don't think because of your proximity and just the frequency at which you're seeing that person, that should necessarily be the reason you date them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's tough. I think, yeah, you're right. I think that that is a place where you get to know people and you meet people maybe more than you do out in the world. So it's a natural place to want to date someone. But Honestly, if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have wanted to date someone I worked with. It wasn't anything about you specifically, but it was the fact that we, our relationship was pretty public. We were hanging out with those people all the time. We definitely were at a time in our lives where both of us were young and drinking and still making a lot of mistakes. And we did that in front of people and in front of managers and in like, and luckily it was an environment again, where like, we actually weren't the worst ones, <laughs> yeah. but it still wasn't great. And I still like definitely carry like, Ooh, that was not a good look. And I, pro if I had to do it over, I would not do that again. So, I mean, 
I think it also just depends on like your environment, how you carry yourself, like all that stuff and what you choose to participate in and not right. Like if now at 30 versus 25, when we started dating, like now at 30, I would, if we were in that same environment, same workplace, I would not be doing the same things, right? Like I would probably be drinking less, going out less. I would have our relationship less public, but at 25, it was like, Oh, whatever. Like we're just doing our thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny though, I think that experience changed my whole, um, way I approach work. Like for like the companies I worked for afterwards, I was so closed off. I didn't partake in any of the social thing because it like to what you're saying, it bled into our actual careers. And when we had to do performance reviews, people couldn't block out the social aspect. And so they were judging our career performances, knowing kind of like what we were doing, like partying and all that stuff. So I just took work so much more seriously. And I just have this weird like focus around work now that I didn't have back then. And I think it's because that it, in a way it kind of scarred me, you know, like there was a point where, um, you know, this really well, where the performance review came and they brought up stuff about our relationship and our career performance. And that's when I was like, I got to quit this job. I got to start a new job and I got to approach that job totally differently and like have a different personality when it comes to work at least. And so, I mean, it helped because it led to kind of the dream gig I have now, but, um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a scarring moment career wise as well. Yeah, for sure. It was tough because we were put in this weird position where, you know, it felt like it was expected of us to be partying with them. Like, again, the managers were there, the directors were there, like they wanted us to be out there socializing. And then it got to a certain point where, um, yeah, things would stick in people's brains. And then also it would be this weird effect of, like us feeling like the managers and directors were like our close friends because they were doing that stuff with us. And then when we would get review stuff from them and it wouldn't be good, we'd be like, what? Like, dude, we're friends. That's so true. You know, it was a uh, consulting was just, uh, I tell people, are you sure you want to go into consulting? Like, do you want to oh, yeah. live that? <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. a, take a breather, especially, you know, going to business school with so many people that aspire to be consultants. I'm like, why do you want to go into that industry unless you're your own consultant like fine but don't go work at you know i don't know just a very scarring experience but yeah i mean um for better or for worse we both quit that job we both then pursued very different career things and i think um you know those career interests actually stained a lot of um our relationship in a in a certain way you know because i think um I wanted to go to business school, so I would be studying all the time and not making as much time, studying all the time for the GMAT, um, to, to be clear, um, not making as much time for our relationship. And then you had other career aspirations where you wanted to, you know, be a life coach. And I think like we both weren't seeing eye to eye as far as what we wanted to do with that aspect of our life. And I think, um, in a way, I think it made us reveal or it made us um, realize that we had a lot of different interests and we might not have been as similar as, as we thought. And I don't know. I'm just curious to know, like, do you think that also affected um, 
or expedited us eventually just breaking up because we realized like, you know, we, we kind of are like, we're very similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very not aligned in others. Hmm. That's interesting. We've actually never talked about it in these, in these terms before. So I'm, I'm, yeah, wow. That's an interesting way of putting it. I have never thought of it that way, actually, in relationship to our career interests and aspects. I've always thought that we were really aligned in a lot of things, but we kept having the same fights like over and over and over again. So I think there were just like a few major things and that we weren't aligned in, like most things we were, and then a few major things that we weren't. And like when I think about you studying for the GMAT and stuff like that and how that impacted our relationship, because that was like you preparing to go to business school was like at least a year of our relationship. Right. And, um, like just for that, as an example, like I remember the fights that we'd have about that is like, not just that you were not making enough time for our relationship, but like also that you would be like, okay, I'm going to like stay home and study tonight. I can't make plans, whatever. And then later on you'd admit like, oh, I didn't really study. I didn't get a lot done. I kind of fucked around, whatever. And that would make me so mad because I'm like, you're making me put my life on hold. I expect you to use your time wisely if that's what you're going to do. Right. And I totally get it. Like looking back now, I'm like, okay, obviously like I've done the same thing, right? Like I procrastinate all the time. Like I, I like take my time to do things, whatever. And, but like at that time, like feeling really impacted by it for a year, it was really hard for me to have grace for you. in in those situations, and I really just wanted to like move past this time where I felt like our life was limited and you did too, but it was just like a really hard time for us. And like, not only that, but my mom had just died, right? Like we went through the first year of our relationship was like very trying. <laughs> like we started dating in like January of 2017. My mom passed away in uh, August of 2017. And this is actually crazy. Um, I don't know if you remember this specifically, but you quit our job and, um, you had three weeks off between your, like le- your last day at our job and your first day at your new job. And the Monday of your first week off was the day that my mom died. And so it was like this weird, beautiful timing where like you were able to be there for me the whole time and didn't have to like take off work or worry about any of that. So I think like that, kind of trauma bonded us too, because you were there with me and my family through that whole thing. And it was just like a really tough time. (laughs) And then you started a new job. And at the same time, you're trying to study for the GMAT thinking you want to go to business school. Um, he eventually did do it, got into an amazing school. Y'all very, very proud. Just graduated. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we went through a lot. And then like that, again, both of us were not handling alcohol well at that time. I think we both had like very like, um, not, we had both had like overuse tendencies when we would go out and stuff like that. And that impacted our relationship. And so the first year of our relationship already had like a lot happening. And then 
within another year of that, I quit our job and I started to look for something else. And so we went through like a few transitional times that really challenged us. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, the alcohol was interesting. I think that was a huge point of contention. And I think like yeah. even to the day that we broke up, I mean, I was, you know, drinking a lot. I drank a I've had a problem to some degree with alcohol, like throughout like my adolescent, like back in high school to even to the point of us breaking up because I would just go out and I would drink so freaking much and get, you know, uh, and I don't, you know, you, you would always tell me like, I don't think you're an alcoholic, but I think you need to like address the problem. And I would talk to my therapist about it all the time. We never like truly understood why I drank so much, but like, you know, I think that was a huge point and it made me realize like, look, you just got like, I can't, I can't keep like doing that for not only like my relationship's sake, but just for like my own health and like mental well-being. And unfortunately, when I was in Chicago, you know, kind of like I was drinking a good amount, you know, uh, dating a lot. And, and then finally, you know, as of, you know, the end of September of last year, I truly was just like, okay, I'm going to like slow down um, because it was affecting relation. It continued to affect relationships even like past you. And so that's something that I'm just hoping that I can like manage going forward. I, it's been only a few months since, but like alcohol has been one of those things where it's like, uh, it's, it's affected me in a lot of ways. And it's something that I need to continue to manage better because it was, uh, there was, there was a lot of points where our fight, we, we had drunk fights, but then there would be points where I was so drunk and I, I would say things that I just to this day regret saying, um, hurtful things. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, sorry. I'm in California now. We smoke weed over here. We don't drink anything. No. By the way, yeah. you got a nice trip coming up. That's next week. Yes, but wait, I don't want to skip over everything you just said. You can't change the subject quite yet, mister. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate your your apology, but also to everyone listening, like you don't have to apologize to me. We've worked through all of this stuff and and we have so much love and respect for each other. So, um yeah, you don't have to apologize to me, but um thanks for sharing that. I didn't want to like directly say it unless you were open to sharing it because um but yeah, out of the two of us, you definitely like struggled with it a little bit more. It was more of an issue and it was a point of contention in our relationship for a long time. And um, I'm curious if you're open to like diving into it a little bit more, just like what you're able to see now or recognize now about maybe like the contributing factors or like, um, like how it like that, like experience with alcohol has like left you feeling. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's, first of all, just one of those things where I'm just like, I just hate now, like losing my entire next day to a hangover. Like, I think health wise and physically, like, 
I'm like 31 now. Like I just can't do it. And I work in a job where I need to kind of like do stuff even like on the weekends. And I have other responsibilities outside my work that I want to like, you know, side hustles and business like that. And you just can't like continue doing that and be able to do other uh, interests in life, whether it's career hobbies, even like simple things as, as like taking Maverick for longer walks, you know, obviously when I'm hungover, his walks are right around the block, but if I'm not, then we'll go on like nice long walks. So it affects like all aspects of my life, uh, everything from my own interest to, to the living beings, humans and doggos. Um, and so I think, uh, there was just many times where I just would have this guilt of, of drinking so much and that guilt, you know, it just compounds, right. You just like, and it gets to the point where you just are like, and, and you know, this about me, one of the things, uh, I always get compliments on, I will toot my horn on this is that I am always looking at self-improvement and, you know, I do, I do come to terms with, there will be points in my life where I'll just reflect and be like, okay, I need to be a better person. How do I do that? And there, I can't remember the specific moment when it came with alcohol particular. And it, like I said, it's a, it's a work in progress, right? I've, I still drink, I'm not sober, but I just drink in moderation. I go out way less. I think another thing of being in a brand new city, not knowing anyone here is that I don't really have people to, socialize with it's almost like i it's a nice having this like walled garden almost because of not knowing people here and i can kind of live a little bit of a healthier lifestyle than in chicago um but you know there was just moments where i just would feel so guilty the next day and then i just was like looked myself in the mirror pretty much and was like what am i doing with my life like I can't do this like I need to I need to I'm not and I think it was coming to the point of when I'm graduating grad school I'm like I'm like a like fully functioning adult now and if I want a family or if I want kids or if I want just to live a happy rest of my life then this is something that I can't keep doing and I think kind of that moment coming closer to graduation and realizing that like, you know, soon after I'm going to settle down somewhere, maybe it's San Francisco where I am now, but I want to eventually start a family. I want to, you know, do, do all these things. Alcohol is just, uh, something that is impeding me from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I ask because I think that, with alcohol culture in our society, I think that it's something that a lot more people struggle with than we realize, right? Like alcohol is this thing that like so weirdly is embedded in our culture to the point where like, it's actually strange if you don't drink and people think you have a problem if you don't drink, or if you just go out and you decide you just don't want to drink that night, people are like, what's going on? Like, why aren't you drinking and pressuring you? It's like this very strange culture we have around something that hurts us. It's very weird. And, um, it's very easy when you're not drinking every single day to say like, Oh, well I don't have a problem with alcohol, but like, you know, to 
go a little bit deeper, like what you were saying, like you struggled with ha- like drinking in moderation for a long time. Like you would go to the point of like blacking out when we were together and not remember a lot of things that happened that were things that you said. And again, in our like party culture, college culture, it's like this idea that like, Oh, haha, you blacked out, dude. Like that's crazy. Whatever. And like, it's acceptable. And like, that's actually like, not, <laughs> not very good for you. Right. And not a great thing to, to do. Um, and so it's easy to be like, Oh, I don't have a problem with it, but you, um, like you said, are some, one of the reasons why I feel like we stayed together for so long is because you are so willing to look internally and you are so willing to, um, look at what you can own about, about what's going on in your life. Like you're willing to take responsibility. You're willing to say like, how can I improve here? Even if someone else has a contributing issue or factor in it. And so you're always willing to improve. And and I'm so glad that like, you know, I've watched you get better and better with it over the past few years. So I'm really, really happy about that and really proud of you. Um, but I'm curious also if you feel like there's any level of like emotions behind even the like desire to, to drink a lot, right? Like, is there any like level of insecurities, um, like desire to like, just make a ton of friends? Like, is there something that you can kind of identify yeah. with goes into it? Yeah, I think there are, uh, well, the make a ton of friends. So like you didn't know me back in high school, but I was drinking in high school to the point where I had alcohol poisoning in high school. And like, to this day, my parents bring up the fact that like, apparently from what the nurses told my parents, I was like 30 minutes away from dying because of like how much I drank that one night. Um, and my high school friends who are probably going to listen to this podcast will, will chuckle at this, but, um, I think it was like ingrained, you know, the whole debate of like nature versus nurture. Like I started drinking early because I was surrounded by it when I was like 17, 16, 18. And I think part of it was, it was an aspect of if you drank, you were cool and then you made friends and it was Mm -hmm. this kind of popularity contest sort of thing where, all the cool people would drink. And so I started actually relatively later compared to some of my classmates as far as drinking. So I think there was this aspect that was ingrained in me very early that like, if you drink and you get really drunk, then you're like, cool. And you're like, you can make a lot of friends. And then as far as insecurity, yeah, there's, I've always had, um, an insecurity around like being loved and well respected and liked amongst my peers. And you know, this, I would throw parties with our colleagues and like, would try to like be the social butterfly. You were social chair. (laughs) Yeah, I was social chair. I totally forgot. (laughs) You organized all our happy hours. (laughs) I did. I did. I've toned down a lot. Like in business school, I was like, you know, I, 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 went to a few things, but not nearly as social, (laughs) but I think it's because like, I wanted this, like, I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to think I was fun. And I had this insecurity that like, if I wasn't drinking and doing the cool things, then like people would think I'm like lame and a loser. And you know, I always joke about like people being lame. I'm like, that dude's lame. (laughs) That, That person's lame. But I think like, it really speaks to like, I have this insecurity to be like cool as shit. And sometimes, yeah. can I can I curse? 
Yeah, I already did. <laughs> okay. Is this a PG I the or bomb already? Oh, okay. <laughs> Rated X. No, I'm just kidding. So you know, I think it's just it speaks to both having this uh, ingrained in me young to to like a drinking, and not even drinking in moderation, drinking a lot. You're cool if you did that, and like I think because I was doing it so young, it, that subconsciously stuck with me uh, throughout like a young adult. And, um, I don't really care anymore for like (laughs) having friends or, you know, like I'm pretty, I I have like a small group of friends. I don't like, I'm not nearly the social butterfly I used to be. I, I just don't like care for it as much. And it's probably because like I have other things that I'm more concerned about, like bigger and better things in my, in my opinion, that like, because I don't care about that, also, I don't care to drink that much either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. And that I think that goes back to exactly what I was saying about how it's embedded in our culture, this idea that drinking is cool, drinking is the right thing, drinking is how you meet people and how you make friends. And you know, to be clear to those listening too, it's not like, because I know Sharu so well, it's not like he's just like, oh, I'm not going to go hang out with people just so I don't drink. It's more just like coinciding with it. (laughs) Cause like, I think you recognize that like, you don't have to drink in order to make friends now either. It's not that you're like avoiding it. (laughs) That's because, but coffee dates. Okay. Like need a I have a coffee problem now but um no yeah you do and you just and you just rip off of me and whoever my friends are so as long as I make friends I know actually I I think like like Seb and uh sorry to name drop you Seb but uh you know I I did meet like people through you in the past year that I would have never thought I would have like become friends with you know it's it's funny how that works and even like your older friends uh from uh university of maryland that came to chicago and you know we yeah we got to meet them again like who who would have thought that like i would have like saw them like after we had broken up so you did you've seen them a couple times since then i think i don't know but Um, yeah i mean that that's like the thing that I think that people always are in awe of that like because you and I are so close like all my friends still love Shrew right like all of my friends still love you still know you still have your number like it's they not like you know if they love me more uh, okay okay like going a little too far now they do. they do okay 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 um and And like this year we went to Napa for my birthday and it was like all of my best friends, including Sheru. And like for so many people, that would be so weird that like we dated for three years and that we just hang out like that. And that like now I've, I've met your girlfriend. Like we both are very supportive of each other, dating other people. There's like a zero like sexual tension. It's just this very like platonic thing. So I think that like, you know, this this is what people want to know like how did we do that <laughs> how did we get to yeah, this point do you know what's so funny is that when we broke up uh, just like touching on the sexual tension it was like a really clean break we didn't like fool yeah. around or do anything after and people are suspicious of me when we I hooked say- up one time we hooked up one time after no we didn't yeah we did 
it was probably like the day after it was like a couple weeks or within a within a month it was like within a month that's that's i don't remember that okay (laughs) (laughs) it was just like a very clean break and um it's uh I don't know. There's um, so many people that find it weird, and I just don't know why. Like, you can compartmentalize in your mind, like, how you viewed that person in a romantic relationship and, like, how you uh, view and perceive them post that. Like, you don't have to, if you're civil about it um, and, you know, things don't end messy, like, say, like in like if you cheated on me and then that's why we broke up if things don't and messy like that i don't see why there's any reason to burn a bridge now i'm not hitting you up every single week we talk like maybe once a month you know just to catch up that's not true we talk way more than that no it's probably like well i think it also depends on proximity i think when we're in the same city we talk a lot more when we're not in the same city we don't talk as much so that's fair we also live very close to each other in Chicago, so we would just, like, meet up with our dogs at the park because we literally live right across the street from the park. Yeah, um, and everyone thought you were following me to Chicago when you when you moved there. People don't know. I got into grad school in Chicago before Christina moved there. I just did my first year virtually thanks to COVID. So <laughs> I defended you. I defended you. But, yeah, so, like... When we broke up, we still lived very close to each other in D.C. And then in Chicago, like, I moved here. And then Sheru moved here, like, a few months later and ended up living, like, right across the street from me. And now he's in California. So I'd say, like, when we're not in the same city, we talk, like, every two to three weeks. And then when we're in the same city, we talk, like, a couple times a week, I would say. Maybe. Maybe. Oh my gosh, you're ridiculous. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, I, but I would say like, to your point, I think you're right in the sense of like, if it doesn't end messy, like there's no reason to like burn a bridge. Right. But we didn't, we didn't just not burn a bridge. We like stayed really close. Right. Like we both identify that we are like, we tell each other a lot more than we tell other people. Like we're very, very close. We care about each other's opinion of like who we're with and like what we're doing and things like that. We go to each other for advice. Like we're still very close. Um, and and so I think that's the part that people find weird. What? Yeah. Um, and uh, sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you off, but, um, no, you, uh, we, we talk about each other's romantic lives as well. We talk about our dating, uh, the sex we're having with our dates. Like, yeah, I just think like it's, it's not hard as long as you can like view that person in a friend way. And I think it kind of helped us that we were friends beforehand because we, like I said, we kind of just reverted into that sort of friendship that we had before dating um, versus like, so it might be harder for other people to, to do that. But I think, uh, I don't know. I just view you now like so differently because I do compartmentalize our relationship now than what we had when we were dating. Um, And so I truly rather like, you know, when I'm introducing you say that you're my friend rather than my ex, but it's funny because it's kind of like this touchy thing where like, if someone finds out about it, they'll be like, why didn't you say that? 
And I'm like, well, in all honesty, I view her more as a friend than my ex. You know, <laughs> like I don't want her the label for her to be my ex. I want the label to for her to be my friend. Um, yeah. But it, it, you know, you kind of have to. I kind of have to use that label as an ex because some people, for whatever reason, find it really find it really weird. And I, I think there's a degree of like, uh, just like, um, maturity that comes with being able to have what we have. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have a very immature perspective on relationships and love and, and all that sort of stuff that they just, um, they're not open to, uh, trying things like being friends um, because maybe they just grew up thinking that, oh, you have to like not talk to that person ever again. But there's no, you can realize that you're not compatible romantically, but also, you know, realize that, you know, this is a person that I had really good memories with. I still uh, have unconditional love for them as a human being. Um, And so why can I not foster that you know, going forward. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think, you know, a couple things, like, I think that because we broke up, like, we broke up because it wasn't working, not because we didn't love and respect each other, right? Like, that was something we, like, leading up to our breakup, we had multiple conversations where both of us were like, we're both scared that we won't find someone else who is as good or who we like as much because like you and I both have like pretty high standards. And I, like, I would say we both like on paper have like everything each other wants in someone like a like driven, successful person who's like smart, funny, like caring, all these things. Like we were both scared of not finding someone like just as great. (laughs) And for those listening, for one thing, like, I'm not saying like Sheru's replaceable or anything like that, but like, that's not a reason to stay in a relationship, right? Like that's like fear of not being able to find something better is not a reason to stay in a relationship. It will never work regardless. Right. And there will be someone, right? And it was it's not that Sheru isn't amazing or all of those things that I just listed. It's just that we it was not working between us. We were having the same fight over and over again. We couldn't align on certain things and we were still pretty young at that point and we were like again like in this like like really transformative few years and like a lot had happened. And so when we finally ended it again like we still had a lot of love and when I remember when, when I, cause I was the one to finally pull the trigger, even though we had been like talking about it and both kind of feeling it for a while, I was the one to finally say like, okay, like we we're done. We need to end this. And I remember you saying to me, you were like, um, <laughs> the, I think it was like the first thing you said, you were like, am I still going to be able to hang out with your family? <laughs> I was like, I mean, maybe not at first. <laughs> Like you're not coming to the barbecue next weekend, but like give it a few months for it to cool down. And I think that's like we need to like very uh we need to specify that like we didn't become friends right after we broke up. There was like right. this uh, like four or five months where you went on your trip to Thailand. We may t- we may Bali. have like just kept in touch or uh Bali. Um yeah. and we may have kept in touch as far as the dogs go, but we weren't yeah. like chumming it up until like I would say like Three to four months. Five, after. six months. 
or maybe yeah maybe even longer five to six months after we broke we up. broke up in november i'd say like the, we started talking around when the pandemic hit so like march yeah. 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 So five months or something. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like an immediate overnight switch or anything like that. And, but it, we just gave it time. Like you, like not only did you ask about being able to see my family, but you also were like, I, can I still have you in my life? Like you asked me that that night mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to, but like, we have to give it time. And that's exactly what we did. And we talked here and there maybe. And then just like, checked in on each other during the pandemic and from there we were like all right i guess we're friends (laughs) there was no like major talk about like how are we gonna do this it was just kind of like a natural thing and i think that we both trusted each other that if like we couldn't handle it one of us would say it right like i think that's the other thing we just trusted that like we knew what we were doing and and if there was a problem we'd figure it out yeah. Um, but the other thing about this too is that like when people are like, oh, it's so weird or whatever, I think that this really plays into the idea that everyone has, it's perpetuated in our society that like men and women can't be just friends, which is like a ridiculous notion. Like, <laughs> but it's like, it's said by everyone though, right? Like, I don't remember any specific instances of you saying this to me, but I like, you know, it's very common for men to say to their girlfriends, like, oh, I'm sure he was hitting on you or like, you know, he doesn't just want to be your friend. Like he's trying to get in your pants, things like that. And like people being suspicious of, of their significant other having like a really close friend of the opposite sex. It's like something that is talked about in our society in like small ways all the time. And people doubting people's ability to be friends if they are opposite sex and like um and like heterosexual and I it's just like a silly thing. Right? Yeah. You know, um I and I it boggles my mind to what you're saying because like even like the people I dated after you and things didn't work with them. I've still maintained friendships with them. So yeah, me it, too. For, for, for like what, I don't know for, I just have always fig, like figured that if there is no reason for me to despise that person, why can I not be friends with them and, and not burn a bridge? I, I just don't see any um, good that comes in holding a grudge per se over an ex or a person. And so I think like one thing it taught me um, was that it just reaffirmed that we can be friends with our exes, like after we broke up. And so, you know, in subsequent relationships afterwards, I try to take that same approach and you know, it's work. Like I'm friends with a lot of the girls that I've dated and um, not to the same degree that we're friends, but still to the point where, you know, we'll check up and like catch up, you know, just how you doing, like maybe once every like six months or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think this notion of you can't be friends with your ex. I just don't know where that comes from. Like, I think, I don't know. I think I don't, if it's a a maturity thing or if it's just like people just think uh, humans are wired to intrinsically want sex with the opposite uh, sex. 
or with well, that's uh, what the story is yeah um and I, yeah. I i should take that back not the opposite sex whatever sex they're attracted to so like um you know uh no like i again to what you were saying earlier the way we approach our friendship it's like strictly platonic no sexual tension whatsoever so like why is that why why can't humans just have that you know yeah and i think you know because i study so much about masculinity and the patriarchy and how those things play into our society like it is it's definitely a part of that it's like this idea that um there's a threat you know, that there's a threat that somebody else is going to be with that person. And there's an, a threat that someone else could impregnate your, the woman you're with and you wouldn't know or something like that. And so it just all kind of stems from this like competition idea and this idea that, um, we're just like animals who can't control ourselves. Right. <laughs> it's just like not yeah. the truth of the world. It, like people, like we're all humans. Like, yes. Do we have urges? Yes. But like, do we also know like how to control ourselves and what's right and wrong? Yes, absolutely. And, um, I think that if there is a, if you can't just be friends with someone, if you can't control that urge there is something deeper underneath right it's not just this like must have sex with that person it's like you're looking for something you're looking to prove something you're looking to sabotage something like that it's it's not all just about attraction or history or anything like that right so totally. yeah but i'm i don't know i don't think i don't know if i have a, if i have any specific answer to this but i'm curious if you do do you have any like specific tips for people who like want to be friends with their ex or create a relationship like ours? Um, yeah. I'm curious what you have to say. Yeah. I don't just know if we have a step-by-step how to. Step yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like people are just so, I feel like a lot of the, what I do now is also rooted in the fact that life is so short that like just, just do whatever the fuck you want, right? Like, if you want, <laughs> like it's it's. I think like people overcomplicate things too, where it's like, oh, uh, you know, they just get too much in their head about things. Like, say, mm -hmm. like being fr like. I think one of the things that helped us is that to what you were saying, it was it was a very natural flow, and I didn't think we were like really just like thinking about it. We weren't like being like. Yeah my god like i can't believe you know we would just like mm -hmm. conversation happen like we would talk like to to ourselves but then also like a you know person at the coffee shop we just like we're, we we would just have conversations so it's not right. like i think like people just need to realize that you know just view them as like a a human being and I don't know. I just love conversations yeah. to begin with. Like, and part of the reason I, I like did a lot of dating post us is that I, I love like, you know, meeting and like, and there's a genuine aspect that I love in having like conversation with like strangers, like, and you um, like having a good story too. So <laughs> I love good stories. Dating in Chicago, uh, scarred me. Um, <laughs> Sheru loves a good all... juicy story. So <laughs> I know. But you no. Gotta... Yeah. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to well, say to, to close out what I was saying, just that, like, I think people overcomplicate things like that when it should just be, like, not a big deal. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah, I agree. It's, not, it's like the fact that we're friends and we're exes, that's, in my mind, that's whatever, you know? I, like, it's not like, it's not like there's a rule book formula on how to do it. You just just go be friends with them. Like whatever, like just yeah. go talk to them. Go, like ask them about like the same interests you would talk about. And I think like what, you know, helped us is that we had this uh, kind of middle ground that were your dogs. And we would just like, <laughs> I think when we first we're starting to become friends again, we would just have conversations about the dogs. And then those mm -hmm. conversations evolved into other conversations. And then we became more comfortable in that. And so I think if you, there are certain, things that you liked about that person and and just truly like talking to them about that's like common ground that you can establish like post relationship when it comes to your friendship yeah that's such a good point you have a better memory than i do about that stuff so that is a good point i forgot that like when we first started hanging out and seeing each other again it was be like you'd be like can i come see the dogs and i'd be like yeah of course like they were part a huge part of your life too like absolutely come see them and so um that was a huge thing and to your point like of not making it dramatic like i think that there's just like people love to be like, oh my God, guess who texted me, right? Like, oh my God, I can't believe they're like talking to me. It's like, just chill. Like they were a huge part of your life. Why would they not still want to be part of your life? And I think also just the fact that we did have a clean break and like we did try to make it work for so long leading up to it. Like we knew that when we were done, we were done. And so neither one of us was really like, oh, what's it, what's he trying to do here? Blah, 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 blah. Right. It was just like a very like, I'm going to trust that this is him trying to be my friend. And even if you have suspicions about them trying to get back with you, I would just encourage people to just trust that they're gonna, trying to be your friend, right? Like lead with that and operate from that place versus trying to make it this like dramatic twisty gossipy thing because that's just where you get in trouble <laughs> yeah and that's a good point i think we um had such a good relationship predicated on trust that we kind of still had that like you know we trusted each other post relationship um and i, I re <laughs> it's funny you say this because i've heard this from like even page uh recently that like you never thought i was capable of lying. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. I think part of that, I think, um, helped foster our relationship is because we knew who each other was and that there weren't mm -hmm. like ulterior motives and we still had trust right. in that person. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I think people break up with people and they think like, Oh, they're, they're, they just must be a completely different person now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, they're pretty much the same person. And like, they obviously people change and grow and whatever, but like, they're not just suddenly this evil person just because you broke up with them. Right. Um, but yeah. And then something else that, um, that you've actually said, especially with your current girlfriend, like actually the fact that we're still so close and we're exes is actually really cool for us when we're dating other people to kind of gauge if those people are right for us. Because I think you and I are both of the mindset where like, if you're not cool with this and you, you question it and you don't trust us, that's a red flag for us. Right. Yeah, like it's so funny. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've dated people that were threatened by you and, uh, you know, yeah. luckily, 
luckily, you know, um, Paige is not, um, and not even luckily, you know, it's a huge, um, to your point, if, if, if she were, it would be a huge red flag and I probably wouldn't be with her. Um, yeah, it totally true because I think, um, I think cause I'm not gonna sacrifice our friendship because the person I'm dating, um, doesn't want me to be friends with you. Like that's not okay in my books. Yeah. Well, I think like to clarify for people too, it's not even just like, Oh, Sheru's choosing me over his new girlfriend or I'm choosing Sheru over my new boyfriend. It's more the fact that there's a lack of trust, right? There it's more, it's more the idea that like they're saying from the get go, I cannot trust you because you're friends with your ex. Like that's the red flag there. Right. And it, it it's not, and anyone who would ask me to give up Sheru, like that is a red flag for me. Cause it's like, again, what are you not trusting? What are the gaps here? What insecurities do you have? And like, what do I like, is there something I can do to assuage this fear? And if not, then we probably have a problem. Right? <laughs> so what would you say, um, was your biggest like takeaway personally from our relationship? Oh gosh. Um, okay. Answer better. <sighs> answer better. Be good. Um, hmm. Has it changed your I, percep perception on like how you date now, or do you think you uh, grew personally in a certain way? Like, yeah. I mean, in so many ways, I grew personally in so many ways. I think that you know. I think my family has said a version of this too, because my family loves Sheru for the people listening, but, um, that, but they also knew they were like, we love him and we totally get it. He wasn't the right one for you. And, but I think we all agree that like you, like you were my first, like really serious boyfriend and you were an amazing first serious boyfriend. Like you have always treated me so well. You totally like showed me what I wanted and in some cases didn't want right like we we did have some of those issues with like alcohol and things like that and like the fighting and learned a lot about that um but like you were a really really great first relationship to really get to know myself and understand myself and to also like um you know I felt really loved by you like we did have a great time together and we did have a great relationship and so I think as hard as our relationship was at times, like it was a really like beautiful learning container for the both of us, I think. And I, I mean, I probably can't even list all the ways that I grew personally from our relationship. Like it was, it was a huge growth time. Mm, that's so <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> what about you? You've never said, by the way, Christina never complimented me once during our relationship. Oh Dude, my God. Like fucking shit. Um, like oh every, my God. You're such a liar. You complimented me maybe once and gave me a high five maybe once. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's just keep telling everybody that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm definitely less I did like appreciate that though. I, I'm, I'm being very extreme, but I did appreciate the fact that you were, um, you, you didn't want to, you didn't want to boost my ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You always said it like motivated you. <laughs> 
it wasn't like I was purposely withholding. I'm just like a little bit less like like shower with compliments type of person and shrews a little bit more like I want to hear everything you have to say about me. Tell me how great <laughs> I am. And if you don't yeah. then I'm d- going to be depressed and cry. <laughs> yeah. No, that that was very sweet of you. Um yeah, I um Yeah, I uh again, I think we had a lot of good memories. Um and I think uh if I were to answer that question, even though you didn't ask me it, um, <laughs> I just did. I said, what about you? Oh, oh, I missed that. Um, I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing would be, um, it taught me, uh, just kind of patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm really people... tough to handle. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we uh, it, you didn't it, deny it. People. <laughs> she is tough to handle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. For the guys listening that want to, you know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, well, they better know off the bat. No, but I think, I think like, people know that you're a very strong-willed woman. I mean, it, it's, it carries through every <laughs> single aspect of your life. So whoever's going to date you needs to have, like, the thickest skin and the thickest skull. <laughs> But you'll find that person. You found me. I have a pretty thick skin, um, even though I, <laughs> even though I want my compliments. Uh, <laughs> but uh, actually, I think like probably it made me even have a thicker skin. <laughs> if I were to answer your, <laughs> it made me like way more resilient. <laughs> oh my god, you're making me sound horrible. <laughs> You, you like really like toughened me up. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> no, I think it taught me patience because every relationship is going to have up, ups and downs. And, um, and you know, we've talked about this in, in my, uh, relationships, uh, since, since you, that you, at the first sign of like something like maybe not, uh, working or, uh, like having a fight with a person, um, you shouldn't like necessarily be like, I'm, I'm backing out. I quit, you know, have that conversation, see like what's going on and like resolve it and move on. And I think, um, just having that sort of patience to not want to, uh, end things the moment that something like I get the slightest indication of challenge in the relationship. Um, yeah. Because we had like a lot of fights and we persevered through it for several years. And eventually, obviously, you know, we broke up, but like uh, we did persevere and perseverance is, uh, I think um, it's a learned skill. You kind of have to train your mind and it's almost like a muscle memory that you develop through uh, continuing, continued efforts in the past of persevering through different life events. Yeah. Yeah. I think like on the other side of perseverance is like knowing when to call it. Right. Like, yeah. And I think that like we could have probably tried to keep going for longer and longer and longer. And we may have left with like not as great of a relationship afterwards. Right. Like I'd like to think that we'd still be friends no matter what, but like, who knows? Like we could have hurt each other more. We things could have gotten worse, whatever. Um, but I think like to your point of like trust and, and the fact that I knew that you would never lie to me and things like that, like 
we were also just very open about what we were feeling a lot of the time too, right? Sometimes too much to the point where like we were like <laughs> fighting about it. But like like I said, for months before we actually broke up, we had these conversations openly where we shared our fears and shared what we were thinking and shared what we were feeling and that we weren't happy and, but we didn't know what to do and, and things like that. And, um, I think that also taught me like, you know, how to more, taught me more about how to fight well and fight better. Taught me more about how to like end things and, and know when to end things. And, um, yeah. And ultimately for us, it wasn't like an ending. It was more of like a transition, which is great. Um, but yeah, but yeah, totally, totally. What do you want? <laughs> okay. Well, we're almost out of time here. Um, anything you want to touch on before I ask you the last question of the day? No, I think, um, uh, you know, just to kind of summarize what we've talked about, like, I just value you a lot as a friend. And uh, I don't know if I say it enough, but um, your friendship means a lot to me. And um, you're just advice that you give me as a friend. Like you give me like relationship advice, which I love because, you know, you, you help me through, uh, you know, things that I struggle with currently when it comes to dating. And then also um, uh, things about like, non-dating stuff just life in general and so i really value your friendship and uh uh it's been amazing to see you grow to what you've become like today the fact that you're doing this is like who would have thought right like when we were both consultants that now you are life coaching doing podcasts about masculinity and like i'm just a schmuck still um (laughs) you know uh, it's been beautiful to watch you grow and um, hopefully it's also weird not having you in the same city, you know, that's kind of I know. fucking weird. Um, <laughs> we're not seeing the dogs either. Uh, I miss them so much. Um, I know. What is, what is, what is home? What is home to you? Is it Chicago, DC? Where, is, where are you going to call home? I don't know. You know, I love both so much. I know. I love both so much. I think, um, I think both of them are home in different ways. Um, it's interesting though. Like the real home that calls me right now is the farm actually. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm already planning on pretty much being in like DC and at the farm, like all of December and January. Um, for those who don't know, um, my brothers and I now, now that my dad passed away, but my brothers and I, um, own my family farm, um, in Maryland. And that's where I grew up hunting and fishing. And Sheru has been there. Sheru's met my family, been down to the farm and gone hunting with us and all that stuff. And, um, it's a place I grew up in and, um, it's, it, it's always felt like a piece of my heart, but recently I think, especially with my dad being gone feels like a, a call home there. Um, at least for a couple months of the year, because yeah, it just feels like a place where I connect with him and, How yeah. are but you... it's, it's a beautiful thing to have multiple homes. So yeah. What's up? Um, this is like, you know, I know we're kind of at time, but I'm just curious, like, mm-hmm. um, 
with both your mom and dad passing, I know after your mom passed, you would see like signs of her um, shortly after. Do you, I, I never asked you about your dad though. Like, were there, were there moments where you're like, he's, he's talking to me. He's like trying to communicate with me. Like there would be weird ones with your mom that even I kind of felt as well. Um, so yeah. curious, like with your dad, like, do you ever go to the farm and just maybe like hear his voice, like in like an echo, like coming from like the woods or something? Like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't really the only real, well, for one thing, I actually haven't been home to the farm since he died, which was in end of December. Um, the only like message I felt from him was when we were in Napa and Melinda felt my mom and dad come to her. Mm -hmm. Um, for those listening, my friend Melinda is clairvoyant. She's on another episode of the podcast. I believe it's episode five. She's an amazing person, but she's clairvoyant and she's been visited by my mom and my dad. She's been visited by my mom twice and my dad once. And so that was the only time that I really got a message from him. Um, but I think it's interesting. Someone actually just asked me the same question the other day. And I, I said to them, you know, I actually think that it'll be when I go to the farm. I think that's where I'm going to feel him the most because he's not the type. Like if you think about my dad, he's just like not the type to be like in my face. I'm here. I'm here. Listen to me kind of thing. You know, like that's so much more my mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think so also... I think you were way more connected with your mom if if i'm you know being totally frank right would you say so and so i feel like there's because you were so much more connected with your mom i feel like you probably felt more of her presence post uh like after her death <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also, it was so different, right? It was so sudden with her. She had such a big personality before she died. Like my dad was already withering away for so long. Right. Um, but I do expect to hear from him more. Actually, I think honestly, he's probably just processing himself, right? Like he's in a new place for the first time. I think he's just like figuring his own shit out and like enjoying his new life, his new being. Um, I think it takes time actually. Um, but like, I, I, I'll be surprised if I don't hear from him more because even though I may have been more connected to my mom, my dad, I think felt most connected to me. Yeah. And I, I also, I, so you mentioned briefly earlier and then I told you not to change the subject, but I am doing ayahuasca in a week and a half. Um, and it's a plant medicine for those who don't know. And I, have been told that grandmother Aya sends you messages and things before you even get there. And people have been known to like have trips and visions and things like that before even getting to the medicine. And I will say I've had like really intense dreams the past week and both my mom and dad have been in them and, and things like that. So who knows? Who knows what I'll see? Who knows what I'll experience? What is, um, I'm so intrigued because you were never into the psychedelics when we were uh, dating. What what has um what like made you want to start like experimenting with that, and then also now doing this huge trip? Like it's it's first of all from what I've heard like a life changing experience. So I'm yeah. super excited to hear about 
who you become afterwards or, yeah. uh, or what you are afterwards. But, uh, yeah, just w- what like got you into it. Um, so, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit, but like after my dad died, just like feeling really lost. Right. And just feeling like surprisingly upset thinking like, oh, I wasn't going to be sad about this because I was prepared for this. But I was shockingly emotional and felt really like out of touch with myself to the point where like, um, yeah, I can't remember if you and I talked about this or not, but like Seb and I were like having huge problems in January when we were living in San Diego to the point where like, he's sitting there being like, Christina, like, I love you. And I'm just trying to support you and love you. Like, why won't you let me love you? And I would snap back with like a fuck you. thing, Like, and like, not exactly those words, but like, I've I've known that of you. I know that's not of you. What do you mean? Like, you guys are, you act like you never did that, like, every single time you hung out with me. No, I'm Oh, my gosh. I'm painting Christina as much more of a, uh, like, a horrible girlfriend than she actually was. She was actually uh, only condescending, like, 20% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if you can't, if you can't take it, I don't want to be around you. No, I'm just like, (laughs) I grew up with all men, okay? That's Um, true. Not even all men, but all, like, machismo, like, burly dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother doesn't like being around people who can't take it, and I feel like I'm the same way. Your brother's a man's man. He's, like, he belongs on, like, the cover of, like, Hunting hunting Magazine or whatever. (laughs) Wilderness and Outdoors Magazine, just on the cover of that. I know, I know. He's ridiculous. But, um... Yeah. So I was doing that to Seb and it was very much from a place of like, like I would say those things to him and I'd be like, Whoa, where'd that come from? Like in my head, I'd be like, why did I even say that? I don't feel that way right now. And it was just coming from this place of like trauma and like things were coming up that like, I just thought I dealt with and I hadn't. And so I was like, okay, I need something else. And that's when I like, you know, a bunch of people in San Diego who I'm friends with, who are also coaches were like, you should check out mushrooms and stuff and so that's what led me to find my shaman who i told you about and in february and did that journey with her and that kind of was the gateway to everything and and then with um and that was like so life-changing and i talked about that on a on the another podcast episode but yeah it showed me so much and helped me get so at peace with my parents passings and um they say that ayahuasca calls you to it, calls you to her. Um, and that if you're not like a thousand percent ready, like she hasn't called you yet basically. And I just felt the call. Like I just felt like, Oh, okay. I'm supposed to be there. And then every, like every booking detail kind of worked out since then. Like, I don't think I told you this part where, um, they tell you how I like decided on the place that I'm going to. Uh, I don't think you did. No. Yeah. So I asked my shaman for recommendations and ayahuasca and the ceremony around it originated in Peru with a tribe there. And so whenever she does ayahuasca, she always goes and sits with that tribe in Peru. And I was already going to Costa Rica with my brother and whatever, and I wanted this to be an add on. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to go to Costa Rica. Do you know anyone there? And she's like, no, not off the top of my head, but like, let me ask around. I'm sure I know somebody who knows a good recommendation. So then a couple of weeks go by and I, ha- I don't hear from her about it. 
were on a call and I'm like, Hey, do you like have any recommendations for me? She's like, Oh, I didn't hear back from my friend. Let me follow up on that, on that with them. She's like, you know, I do know that there are these two places that are pretty popular, like CEOs go there, blah, blah, blah. Maybe check them out. I was like, okay. And I looked and they had like no dates for when I wanted to go. And so I was like, okay, like, let me just do a quick, quick Google search. So I do a quick Google search. And normally I feel like when I Google something, I look at the first like one or two things that pop up. Right. But for whatever reason, I just felt called to like keep scrolling. And so I just kept scrolling and kept scrolling and kept scrolling. And then like almost at the bottom, there was, um, this place that just called out to me the name of it. And I just clicked on it, looked at the website and I was like, huh, this looks pretty nice. Like maybe I'll like, this is a nice place, whatever. I was like, but you know what? Let me just wait to hear back from my shaman. And then I just like put my phone down. 15 minutes later, she texts me and it's the same name of the one place I had looked at on the internet. And I was like, all right, (laughs) see you soon. Ayahuasca. (laughs) So I think a big difference between you and me though, um, and, uh, it, it was interesting during our relationship as well is your connection with faith and my mm-hmm. belief in science and coincidence, <laughs> you know, and I think like it, it was, um, something that I never understood and I still don't understand. Um, and I respect the shit out of people that are super religious and whatnot, but like, if that were to happen to me, like if I were to have gone through that experience, I would have like been like, oh, that's a coincidence. And I think it's because I'm just so not connected spiritually to religion or any other thing that I just like, it's this kind of like mentality of like, uh, I'll believe it when I see it kind of ordeal and science. But that's is you seeing it, right? Yeah. But that's coincidence in my books. You know, that's like, that's just like, sometimes you roll the dice and get lucky, you know, kind of deal. Um, mm. but I do, I do, uh, appreciate how, um, spiritual and connected you were with your faith. Are you still as, uh, like connected with your faith as you were when we were dating, like going to church, um, not every Sunday, but like, you know, on holidays. Well, and, I and definitely, then, and then, yeah. You know, go ahead. No, but you, 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 like, there was a time after your mom passed it. I think you were, you got way closer to Christianity than you were before it. Well, yeah, I think after my mom died, I started going to church more and you went with me sometimes. That was another great thing about you that you like, even though it wasn't something that was important to you, you were always willing to support me and be there for me. But I, yeah, I think in the very beginning after she died, I was like, I got to hold on to something. And so I was going to church a little bit, um, you know, maybe every couple of weeks or something, But after the first like three, four months, I really stopped going and only went on holidays and I actually became really angry at God. And I don't know how much I actually really revealed about this to you at the time, but like, and I don't think I really had the words for it at the time either. I think it was just like this underlying anger that was just sitting there the whole time that it was just like, I don't understand this. How could you have done this to me? And like, just how could you? And I don't forgive you. And how how dare you? And I think that was just underlying. And honestly, like, I think that manifested in our relationship. Like, you've made comments 
at, at times in the past year or so where you're like, wow, Christine, like you're so much more chill or whatever. <laughs> like you just don't get angry or as upset about things as you used to. And, um, that's like a huge, huge thing that I'm proud of over the past few years as I've done this internal work on myself is like, I just don't get as worked up about things as I once did. And I think that I was so angry and didn't even know it. Like there was just this like burning anger inside of me and I had no idea that that was seeping into everything. I'm sure that it impacted my drinking and my partying and our fights, everything. Like I think it played into everything. And so for a long time, I didn't talk to God and I didn't connect with my faith And then after you and I broke up and I was doing my life coaching certification, um, there was still like a, maybe close to a year where I didn't really look at that. And then I remember distinctly in, um, gosh, I guess it was October, November of 2020. I did that like six week road trip where I first went to like Chicago and Montana and Jackson hole and Utah and all those places. And I was visiting, um, a couple of my dad's close hunting buddies who were really like close family friends and they have a place in Montana. And I had to work all day on these like meetings or whatever. And Um, It was the end of the day and I walk outside to their porch and the sun was setting and it was so beautiful. And it was like a really emotional weekend with the life coaching work I was doing. And um, I stand outside on the porch and I look out into the sky and I just start crying, just like out of nowhere, like just bawling my eyes out. And I just found myself praying and breaking down and was like talking to God. And I was just like... I'll never forget that like, this was what was on my heart. And this is what I said. I said, um, thank you God for, um, like in a world that is so big in which my life is so insignificant. Thank you for making me significant. And it was just like this feeling of like, Oh, like God really loves me and I am really called to be somebody and I'm really called to impact people. And this is not the end of my journey with him essentially. And so that was kind of like a turning point for me in like re looking for God. And since then I've just, since then it's evolved a lot. Um, And I, I still do believe in like a God and a central spirit creator force. It's less like, I think when people say the universe to me, that's too kind of like (laughs) open-ended for whatever reason. Like to me, I still like, it's almost like this, like, oh, well the universe is so blah, 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 blah. And it's like flowy and who knows what it's going to do. And I'm like, no, to me, like there is like a central spirit creator, God, whatever you want to call him. Um, or her or whatever, but, and I haven't experienced this yet, but I've heard from my shaman that like her experiences and other people's experiences are that there is like a God, the father, and there's a God, the mother. Um, maybe I'll learn more about that in my ayahuasca journey. I don't know, (laughs) but I'm like way more open to all different kinds of like spirit God based things. And it's such an important part of my life now. Like I've gotten to the point where I feel like you there is a ceiling that you hit in personal development when you don't have faith. 
Like you can only get to the next level if you trust something higher than yourself. Because relying on yourself is just like not it. <laughs> Do you consider yourself still Christian? No, I don't. Mm. I don't. Mm. Very interesting. Um, I think like uh, one thing that I noticed, and I had this conversation with someone who, um, or uh, someone who knows of someone who lost their uh, mother recently, um, is that I think like you didn't give your time, you you didn't give yourself time to heal after that. You literally yeah. went from planning the funeral, I, maybe you took just a week off and then you went straight back to work. I'm like, that is insane. What are you doing? Going straight back to work. Like, you know, and I think, um, you, you eventually came to the realization that like this, this isn't it. I got to leave. But I was just like, yeah. very surprised that you kind of just, uh, you know, I, I was very proud of you when you did leave because I was like, look, you hate this. And you also just lost your mom and haven't had time to process it. So, um, yeah. But uh, super exciting. You're about to go on this spiritual journey. Like, oh, my God. Like, you're going to – what are you going to, like – are you going to, like, totally come out like a different person or what? You know? <laughs> I don't think so, honestly. I think yeah. that, you know, I've done so much work on myself that I think it might show me a lot and give me a lot, but I don't think – there is going to be like a completely different person thing. Right. Like, I think that's more for people who like have, haven't done the extensive work that I've done. Um, but who knows? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all I hope for is that it's all like positive, right. That like if I become out a different person and it's in a positive way, not in a negative way. So, um, yeah, but we'll see. It'll be positive. We'll It'll be, yeah. it'll be a good experience, but, uh, yeah, super excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, you know, to echo some of the stuff that you said earlier, and I'm not just saying it cause you said it, but I truly mean it, that I'm incredibly proud of you too. I'm proud of us and I'm proud of you. And for those listening, you know, it all paid off because Shrew did get into a top business school. He is working at an incredible, prestigious company, working the dream job and doing the things that he wants to do in life. And um, as you can tell, there's still so much love and respect between us. And I'm so grateful for our friendship too. I don't think I tell it to you enough either that it is truly special to me. I think that it's... Um, you know, it's very important to me that mm -hmm. we have our relationship and that I know I can still call you. Like, <laughs> I feel like, you know, even if we, if, if a couple weeks or a month do go by between us talking, it's like the second something happens, we're just like, hello, where are you? <laughs> I need to call you. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. We can just pick up the phone and talk like, as if it was yesterday, even if there's been a lot of time that's elapsed since the last we spoke. <clears throat> oh yeah, for sure. And a lot of times it's like shitting on each other. I'm surprised that more of this podcast wasn't us shitting on each other, but it's probably good for, <laughs> for those. These, like, like people with like prestigious degrees and like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to ruin the vibe of what you're going for on your podcast, you know? I'm going, <laughs> I also don't want to, uh, you know, people to know how much of a idiot I truly am. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh my gosh. 
So funny. I still remember in Napa us uh, sitting there and Melinda <laughs> looking at us and going, and I don't understand. She's like, I like you guys dating. Like I see it, but I don't see it at all. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, I, I sometimes think about the same thing. I'm like, I can't believe I dated her for three <laughs> Um, I know. No, we had we had good times. We had good memories, but we also had good memories after we dated. You know, like um, that was such we're a fun. Still having good memories, yeah. Yeah, you have to come to San Francisco. See, um, I see my new uh, crib. I'm like looking at the skyline right now. It's beautiful out there. Um, yeah. You've already been. You're not a big fan of the Bay Area. Um, I know. Neither am I. So hopefully this. Isn't- <laughs> home and i can move to either chicago or dc we'll see i have faith i have faith that we will again live in the same city and that our dogs will grow old together i know i'm gonna make you uncle sheru whether it's a dog or a human i don't know mavi maverick hi mavi Oh, look at his eyes open. Now Cap just walked over to me because he's like, what? Mavi, Mavi, Mavi. Cappy, Mavi's on the screen. Let me see Cappy. Can you point it to him? Cappy, come here. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What are you doing, mister? Who is that? Oh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! All right, we gotta get wrap this bitch up. All right, last question that I ask everybody, I'm gonna ask it to you too. Uh, what does it mean to you to live your most fully expressed life? Mm. Oh my god! Eating all the foods in the world. We never talk about how much. <laughs> were and how that was like such a common ground for us um, yeah Sheru and I have gone to like what 15 Michelin star restaurants together oh even, even more even more um yeah, and not even that was Michelin. like the foundation of our relationship <laughs> we went to like Europe just to like go eat at Michelin places in Europe <laughs> yeah uh, when we would travel that was the whole point of a trip we're like we don't need to go see the Eiffel Tower we need to go to like <laughs> Michelin place in Paris or whatever. Remember, uh, we did the cruise on uh, in Paris, where like you could see all of the sights along the river, but you're eating. So, <laughs> we were like, "This is the dream." Fully <laughs> express that is the answer to your question. <laughs> on a cruise, just eating beautiful food or tasty food, seeing beautiful uh, architecture, but um. I think, you know, I think like, uh, I, I kind of alluded to it. I've like really have this like newfound realization that life is really short. And I think it's because I've seen a lot of stuff, like just things that happen when you get older, like death, right. And, and things that put things in perspective And I think for me, it's being able to be happy in what I do in life and be able to give love to the ones I love. And um, I don't know. I just, uh, you you know this about me. I am like kind of 
jack of all trades, master of none. And I just want to continue like, you know, living and learning and like doing new things, new hobbies. And I think like when all is said and done, when I'm older, I want to know that like I was able to live this life of many different adventures and like passions. And I don't have this, um, thing that I see at least with uh, my parents and other people where there's stagnation. And I, that's like my biggest fear is being stagnant and, and like content um, with, with your life. And I want to live it so that I'm anything but that <laughs> um, I never want to be comfortable. And I think um, that's how that's, that's what living, you know, my most expressed life would be to me is, is, always being outside of this level of comfort to like challenge myself personally, professionally, whatever to, to grow. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. What about All you? All right. Wait, no, no, no. Oh you, my you. gosh. These are not the rules. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll give you a solid um, question to, to, to end it. Okay. Uh, Unless, have you actually answered that question on other podcasts? Um, I think I directly answered it on my very first one, where I, where I did a solo pod that explained everything. I think I answered it. <laughs> okay, what's your softball question? Oat milk or almond milk? Oat milk, hands down. There's not even a question. Why, why does oat milk take taste more like actual milk? I don't understand that. It's like creamier. No, it tastes like milk. I don't get it. But I but I think it is creamier than almond. It is creamier. I love oat milk. Yeah. Are you oat milk or almond milk? No, oat milk all the way. I mean, oat milk tastes oh. like milk, but they're literally not milk. Like, neither oat milk nor almond milk. I so know. Is oat milk creamier? I don't know. But you know what? I You would hate this. For ayahuasca, I can't... I can't have caffeine right now. So I haven't had coffee. Oh my God. No way. So I've been literally, get this. I've been like occasionally just like foaming oat milk on its own <laughs> and drinking like foamed hot oat milk. It's not the same without. Can you um, not have chocolate because cho doesn't chocolate have like a hint of caffeine? Yeah. I'm saying? And I'm supposed to like limit processed foods. So I'm not letting myself have chocolate because of that too. Oh, Man, um, you better call me the moment you get out of your tripping state. Your Although wish is you my command. Cellular service out there. <laughs> I know. I don't even. I honestly don't even know what the situation is going to be like. I have no idea what I'm doing every day. I don't know what the schedule is. Who knows if I'll be on ayahuasca from the moment I get there to the moment I leave, or if I'm just doing it once. Like I literally have no clue. So we'll see. Hopefully, I survive. I think you're still on my emergency contact list, but. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> All fingers crossed. All works. right, let's wrap this bitch up. Yeah. Do you do you want anyone to follow you, or you don't have to share any of that stuff? <laughs> you can follow my tens of Instagram followers if you want. <laughs> my tens of Instagram. My my, ten, my tens, maybe even dozens at this point. Um, <laughs> underscore Sharuo one. I don't know why you would want to do that, other than picture, <laughs> pictures of this guy. Um, this guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the no, dog. thanks for having, yeah, not my Dyson, um, vacuum, um, this, this 
right here. Um, no, but thanks for having me on. Uh, enjoyed the conversation, and we'll definitely chat soon, if not later today. Um, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Expressed podcast. If you loved what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review. I'd love to hear what y'all think. And send this episode to a friend. Who in your life could benefit from hearing this conversation today? If you want to stay connected with me, please follow me on Instagram at Stina, S-T-I-N-A-E, Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D. Feel free to shoot me a message. I love connecting with y'all. Please tell me what you want to hear, what topics you want me to cover, and let's keep expanding and building this community of fully expressed people.